George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Both point him to an incredibly heated and controversially renowned social debate surrounding police, racial equality and mainstream media outrage. With some new viral revelations surrounding the George Floyd case and a brand new documentary, the question has arisen once again as to whether or not he was really murdered. I am Hayden Appleby. And this is Utter Truth with Hayden Appleby. Welcome, everybody. It is undeniable that BLM and George Floyd have been two of the biggest talking points since 2020, really, alongside COVID. Which is why some recent revelations and a revisiting of the original evidence, in fact has been brought under the spotlight, and we just have to cover it today. There is a lot that we're going to discuss, so listen carefully. So firstly, Derek Chauvin, who is essentially the main villain in the George Floyd murder trial, of course, and who was convicted of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter back in 2021, is arguing the result of the trial. His legal team have attempted to appeal the case over what they claimed was an unfair original trial after the Minnesota court, where he was tried originally, rejected his request during the 2021 trial for a change of venue and to sequester the jury, which essentially means, for those of you who don't know, isolate them from external influence, something that can take place in such loud and controversially renowned trials like this one, of course, was. Anyway, their request in 2021 during the original trial was denied, which Chauvin's legal team argue meant pre-trial influence and public riots that were happening all around Minnesota at the time, of course, could have swayed the mindsets of jurors and the verdict as a whole. The attorney's petition states that jury bias was possible, if not likely, as, quote, jurors themselves had a vested interest in finding Mr. Chauvin guilty in order to avoid further rioting in the community in which they lived and the potential threat of physical harm to them or their families. Now, whatever your view on how fair Chauvin's trial was, or even BLM as a whole, and without demeaning the work that the jurors and court did, of course, this certainly seems like a valid point. Because the noise surrounding the protests and the extreme violence and terrors that ultimately were on the streets of Minnesota after his death, make it seem that anybody living there surely would have wanted to put an end to it all. Even the New York Times admitted at the time that, quote, Minneapolis burned. The claim that the trial was potentially not fair also seems to be backed up by sworn testimony, not from Derek Chauvin's legal team, but from prosecutors who, according to Sky News Australia, quote, told of insane extreme premium pressure they were under to throw the book at Chauvin and charge the other cops because the city was burning down. So we're going to dig into what one prosecutor in particular is saying in a separate case in just a moment. But first, this is important to note. 
So Chauvin's legal team have taken this appeal to the Supreme Court of Minnesota recently, which rejected it, before they then took it to the Supreme Court of the United States, of course the highest court possible in the country, where it was also rejected. Not, you know, rejected after they'd heard it, but they rejected even hearing the appeal just three days ago. So why, you might be wondering? Well, nobody actually knows. The Supreme Court have issued no statement or comment regarding why they rejected Chauvin's appeal, leading some, like myself actually, to suggest that maybe it is not because the evidence isn't there, but it is because they don't want to get their hands dirty in an already politically controversial case, which is arguably a miscarriage of justice in and of itself. Was there a malicious prosecution and judgment of Chauvin based on the social climate and not solely evidence at the time? Perhaps. But that is the situation regarding his appeal and how fair the trial really was, everything his legal team is doing right now. Simultaneously, however, there is also a lot more information coming out regarding the whole affair in a completely separate matter altogether. You see, last month, Amy Swayze, former... Hennepin County Prosecutor actually filed a completely separate lawsuit against her former boss, one of the office's top prosecutors, former county attorney Mike Freeman, after she settled a claim with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights, where she alleged that Freeman, her boss, engaged in sex discrimination and retaliation in the office, which Hennepin County paid $190,000 to settle. But how does this all link to Floyd, you might be wondering. Well, this Amy Swayze, making the allegations, was actually initially involved in the Floyd case before she, among three other attorneys, were disqualified from participating in the case after they met privately to speak with the medical examiner, something the judge deemed to be, quote, sloppy. The medical examiner, who is named Andrew Baker, as they did so in an attempt to discuss Floyd's autopsy results. Anyway, in the sexual discrimination lawsuit that she's launched, she has made some rather incredible remarks about the Derek Chauvin case through a deposition, a deposition, I apologise, that she gave, where she claimed that her boss, who she is obviously now suing, knew that she had a conversation with the medical examiner just referenced the day after Floyd's death, and she said about this conversation that, quote, He called me, the medical examiner, later in the day and told me, after doing the autopsy, there were no medical findings that showed any injury to the vital structures of Mr. Floyd's neck. There were no medical indications of asphyxia or strangulation. He said to me, Amy, what happens when the actual evidence does not match up with the public narrative that everyone has already decided on? This is the kind of case that ends careers quote. Wow. So that seems to be a fair bit of a revelation there. But some of that stuff that he mentioned or allegedly mentioned is actually, we've already known it for quite some time. You see, if we pull up Floyd's autopsy report, we can see that he was obviously male. He was 46 years of age and that his time of death was 9.25pm on the 25th of May, 2020, and his autopsy took place exactly 24 hours later by Andrew Baker, who we've referenced. 
What was concluded was that Floyd died from, quote, cardiopulmonary arrest, complicating law enforcement, subdual, restraint, and neck compression. And according to Newsweek, the American Heart Association classifies cardiopulmonary arrest as the, quote, abrupt loss of heart function in a person. So the public assumed, even before the court did, that this must have been Chauvin's racist attack. But if we dig a little deeper into the autopsy, it becomes apparent that Floyd suffered from blunt force injuries to the forehead, the face, the upper lip, the shoulders, the hands, the elbows and legs, which I would assume is from him being taken down, him being held down and tackled to the floor. This will, of course, cause some injuries and trauma to various body parts. However, what is conveniently ignored by some when they read the autopsy and spin the whole BLM narrative is that we have just seen this stuff allegedly referenced by Baker and the autopsy also found, quote, no injuries of anterior muscles of neck, no scalp soft tissue, skull or brain injuries, no chest wall soft tissue injuries, rib fractures, vertebral column injuries or visceral injuries. In addition, While it's been claimed that he was not high at the time of his death on drugs, the toxicology report shows that there was 11 nanograms per milliliter of fentanyl in his bloodstream. And while that's nowhere near lethal, it's important to note. After all, he was a drug dealer. Now, despite all of this, the medical examiner himself has returned... Well, he's refused to comment on the alleged phone call that took place between him and Sweeney that we previously referenced and he's simply stating that he stands by his original testimony and his conclusion that Floyd's death was homicide which is also important to note of course as I heard another medical examiner point out that just because there wasn't any physical injury to the neck it doesn't mean that asphyxia didn't occur but should we assume that it did maybe maybe not this is a question that I pose And these comments that he was alleged as having made, you know, regarding the whole, quote, narrative, the the case that brings down careers, certainly brings this into question. And I simply wonder why the Supreme Court wouldn't hear his case in that separate proceeding. Chauvin's attorney has said that, quote, at the end of the day, the whole trial, including sentencing, was a sham. End quote. Now, of course, he's going to say that, but questions need to be asked, and many of them are being asked. In fact, in a new documentary called The Fall of Moneyapolis, so I recommend you watch that, I certainly will be, many questions are indeed asked, and some might suggest answered. It addresses some of the things we've discussed today and more detail, so I recommend you watch that. I will pop the link down in the description down below. Was the BLM narrative based on a lie? We basically know that the organisation was corrupt, but the death of George Floyd doesn't appear to be as cut and dry as it seemed and was initially portrayed, maybe not even as cut and dry as the legal case claimed. Even if the leg on his neck was the primary cause of death, which we're potentially not so sure about now, the whole racism narrative just seems a little bit flawed to me considering the arresting officer was literally black. 
considering George Floyd was literally a violent criminal who we should not be turning into a hero. I just hope that the truth continues to come out and that justice, whatever that justice may be, whatever angle it comes from, may be established. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have left for today, but I hope you enjoyed the covering of that story because, of course, George Floyd, the whole BLM narrative is something so incredibly controversial and we must acknowledge the facts regarding it. If you did, then please do watch this video on screen, a similar video that I think you will enjoy an episode of the show so that we can stay committed to independent media and true news. You can donate to me using the link in the description down below. Buy me a coffee. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I hope you enjoyed this episode where we covered the revelation and where we covered the stuff that matters. Have a lovely rest of your Friday.